0: Since we have power now, awesome. How are y'all doing? Uh, rattled. <laughs> Thank you. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Let's do this. Oh, take a breath. Everybody just breathe in roll. and breathe out. Thank you. That helped me a lot. A lot. <laughs> right there. Uh, this weekend has been tough with Kent's passing. It was a little unexpected in many ways that he would go so quick. We knew his days were numbered. Paula and Kenzie knew his days were numbered. They just never expected that it would come so soon as it did. And so keep them in your prayers if you would. I know that family has gone through a lot, for you that don't know. A little over two years ago, their son of 21 years old, Graydon, died in a car accident. And so these last two years, with Kent in and out of the hospital, have been very, very trying. And uh, so please, please keep them in your prayers. We are in a series of lessons on the spirit and uh, which we also titled The Gift. And last week we introduced the Spirit by uh, comparing the Spirit in the Old Testament with the Spirit in the New Testament and how that was given to believers. In the Old Covenant, the Spirit was placed upon individuals. And when those individuals forsook God's command, God took that Spirit back. And we gave an example last week for you that weren't here of actually putting on a coat and taking it off. That that's how God did that. And we compared this gift to the spirit that we have that lives with inside of each and every one of us. This gift that we have received that remains with us forever. Forever. I would encourage you to go back and listen to that lesson if you were not able. To be here. The work of this, the work of God's Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit are one. They're one in the same. And their role in our lives is to shape us, to shape us, to shape our hearts, to shape our minds, actually, even to shape our souls so that we attain to the full measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit's role is in our lives. In other words, the Spirit is actually molding us and shaping us in every aspect. And I wish this was easy. I wish this process were a lot easier. But it's not. The Spirit, who's our comforter, is also our teacher. The Spirit, who is our helper, is also the one that convicts us of our sins. In reality, the Spirit is the one who enlightens that which is in your heart that no one else knows besides you and God. No one knows those dark places in our hearts because we don't show them to anyone. He puts a spotlight on those places in our heart, soul, and soul. and and reveals those areas where transformation is needed in our lives. And brothers and sisters, this is hard work. At least it is in my life. At least it is in my life. God has a long history, and I hope you can say the same thing, a long history of shaping and molding me into the image of His Son. And He's not done yet. How about you? How about you? Do you find this process easy? Do you find Him shaping and molding you something that you enjoy, that to be pleasant? My goal, my goal, is to help us to understand the work of the Spirit. And as I said last week, just kind of give you a little review, this will not be an exhaustive study. We're not gonna take all the time in the world to cover every aspect of the Spirit. It would be too lengthy. But will this, will this series be long? Yeah, it probably will. But that's just because I'm thorough and I'm long-winded. Okay? But know this. Know this. We will not even come close to touching every aspect of the Spirit in this series. So if you think I'm going to give you everything that there is about the Spirit, I am not. My goal, the goal of mine, is to give us an overview of the Spirit. From the Old Testament that we did last week, from the New Testament this week, and then I want to drill down on the Spirit, listen, from Jesus' teaching to his disciples. I want us to learn from Jesus. I want us to examine his teachings to the disciples to understand his perspective regarding the work of the Spirit, and this is crucial. It's very crucial. Because here's here's what happens to most of us when we get to this topic. Usually, our first foyer into the Spirit is through the Apostle Paul. Most of us. We jump right into the few chapters regarding the miraculous gifts before having a solid foundation built by Jesus himself. We take off on these little tantrums without full knowledge or even understanding. This gets us in trouble a lot of times. We speak before we fully know. Paul's words regarding the Spirit are worthy to be heard. Yes, and they are worthy to be studied, but often we are so laser-focused on the miraculous, we never venture into other sections of the New Testament. So remember, our foundation is Jesus. His words, His teaching serve as the foundation of our theology. His words are life. His words are truth. His words are eternal. He is the Son of God and spoke the very words of God. He's the one that has given it. All those words came from the Father and were given to Him. So therefore, therefore, Jesus is going to be our foundation. Jesus is our foundation. He is the cornerstone. And last week, the Old Testament, we built one wall, just one wall on this house that we're building about the Spirit. And we won't complete the house in this series. But we're going to build another wall today, and that one we're going to discuss the New Testament. Now, let me remind you of a verse that we started out with last week, because I love this verse, and it's from Paul. And I know we weren't going to say I'm going to deal with Paul, but we are. We're looking at the New Testament today. Let me remind you of this verse. It's in Romans 8, verses 9 and 10. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit of life because of righteousness. Church family, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and the Holy Spirit, they are one, like I've already said. And the Holy Spirit, they call, the Holy Spirit replaces Our fleshly, sinful body of death and life. And that's what He does. That Spirit is doing a work in you, I hope. And He's also doing a work in me. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that's shaping our lives each and every day. God is shaping our mortal bodies. He's shaping our spiritual nature. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us is shaping us. Again, let me say this. I can't say it more, enough. God is dwelling in us. 1 Corinthians six nineteen says this. Or do you not know that your body, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. When we give ourselves over to Christ, when we give ourselves over to Christ in that faith act of baptism, the Spirit goes to work in us. He goes to work on our spirit. He goes to work on our mortal bodies, molding us, shaping us, informing us into the image of Christ. Look, look, look at this verse. Well, wait before we do that. So my question is, here's a question. How many of you are actually already shaped into the image of Christ? How many of you are there? Anybody? Anybody? Probably none of us. None of us are. None of us are fully formed into His Christ likeness. That's why we need the Spirit in our lives. Me, I'm just just talking about me. I could use some help in my life. Anybody else could use some help in walking uh, this walk in your life? Because I think I could use some help. I think all of us kind of look at the the Spirit and we go, I could use your help a little bit more in my daily walk with you. So let me talk about two roles, the Spirit's roles that He has for in our lives. Two roles. The first one is a teaching role. The Spirit is there to teach us. The second role is a transforming role. He's there to transform us. So let's look at the Spirit through the teaching role. Okay, so what I want to do is, as we're thinking about teachers, as everybody's going back to school today, how many of you remember your favorite teacher from grade school or middle school or high school? How many of you could actually point to someone that you go, they had a significant role in my life? Anybody can do that? Okay, so a lot of people in here could do that. We think back and we look at those and we were challenged. That person stretched us. That person helped us grow in ways that we never thought we would because that one person took the time to actually take time to help you grow and help us grow. And we see that. And all of us need teachers in our lives. All of us need mentors. We need someone who can guide us and who can instruct us, that knows the way, that points the way to where we ought to go. And brothers and sisters, the Spirit occupies that role in us. He occupies that role in us. As a mentor, as a teacher, as a guide in us, that gift in us that's dwelling in us is there to help teach us and train us and to instruct us. And how does the teacher do that? Well, first of all, the teacher, this teacher, the Spirit, he has access to my eyes and to my ears. He has access to my mind, my emotions, and my thoughts. He has access to my fears, my temptations, and my dreams. This teacher, more than anybody else in this world, is uniquely qualified, uniquely qualified to instruct in ways that no one else can except the Spirit. Why? Because that teacher has taken up residence in my life and in your life. And the question we must answer is, am I listening to my instructor? How many of you are teachers out there? How many of you all are teachers? Okay, you got quite a few teachers in here today. What's the biggest problem with students if they don't make their grade? A lot of times it's they don't listen, right? It's that they're not paying attention. It's your job to try to help them pay attention, but a lot of times they don't pay attention. And that's what the teaching role is, is to help people pay attention. And that spirit is there trying to get you to say, listen to me, hear me, feel me. I'm there inside of you. All right, so I, w- I want to read some passages of Scripture. It's going to be pretty long. This one's from Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. Listen to this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of our glory, may give you a spirit. He's going to give you, there's a the gift. He's going to give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. That's what the Spirit's doing. Got it? He's given you all this knowledge. He's given you all this. In the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the, listen, the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us, toward us who believe according to the working of His great might that worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Now, wow. I, come on now. That's incredible. That is an incredible passage about what the Spirit is doing in us. That power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power, people, that we have in our hearts and in our lives. It's in us. It is there. And we don't, I don't think we truly appreciate or grasp the uniqueness of this gift within us? I don't. How many of us even come close to appreciating the Spirit's power and revelation and knowledge that He has given us and that is within us? And if we're willing to listen, if we're willing to listen, if we have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say, We are privileged to receive this knowledge from Jesus Christ, His wisdom given to us by our Heavenly Father. And I just want to stop and go, wow, I know. What an incredible gift. I just want to stop and just go, God, thank you for this gift. The power of the Spirit instructing my heart and my mind. This is the hope This is a hope that all of us have been given. We are saints. We are God's children. And the riches of His inheritance has been given to His children. It's an immeasurable gift. Catch that? Immeasurable. In other words, we can't even fully grasp the totality, the sum, and the amount of this gift. And the inheritance is not filled with money. It's not, but something much, much more. This inheritance is filled with the mighty work of God's Spirit, which reigns in us and is in us. It's the revealer of the holy, which resides in us. This gift within us is our teacher, and He searches out the depths of God. Listen to this passage. Lengthy passage, but I love this passage. For the Spirit, listen to it. The Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received, we have received not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart these words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, remember who is from God, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person, natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, you, spiritual person, judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we, we... Have the mind of Christ. All right, here's a question. How is it that we have the mind of Christ? How is it that we can understand the depths of God? Because we're taught. We're being taught by the Spirit each and every day because we have and continue to receive guidance from Him. It is freely given to His children. The Spirit is teaching us spiritual truths. The Spirit is instructing us each and every day. We receive these when we feel the prompting of the Spirit inside of us. We feel these promptings many times and they convict our souls and our hearts. We receive these instructions when we read God's Word. And we read God's Word, that sword of the Spirit, and it pricks our hearts and it pricks our soul and it pricks our mind. I mean, surely you've done that, right? Surely you've opened your scriptures and you've looked at a verse and you've gone, Oh, woe is me. And it convicts your heart. And the Spirit, that Spirit is calling out to us. It convicts us, it cuts us to the core of who we are. And we've all done it, we have all been there. The role of the Spirit is to teach us the way of God, to teach us about ourselves, to teach us what to avoid, to teach us what to pursue, to teach us spiritual truths about Christ. Okay, so that's first. That's the teaching role. Here's the second role. It's the transforming role. Transforming role. In, in other words, we are being transformed into that image of Christ. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. This is what I know about all of us. Every single one of us need heart surgery. Me included, every single one of us. It doesn't matter. We all need heart surgery to teach us about ourselves, to teach us what to avoid, to teach us what to pursue, to teach us the spiritual truths of Christ. But the Spirit has another role, this transforming role. That transforming role, transforming us into the image of Christ, And we need that heart surgery. And here's what it is we are to cut off and to put on. Okay, so I've told you this before. Maybe some of you probably don't know this, but I was able to, I had, I participated in a heart, open heart transplant. And so I was in the room as they were doing this open heart surgery, open heart, they were doing a transplant. Now, I was standing right here looking at the guy with his chest cracked open. Right there. And what they did was they brought in the donor heart. They brought in the donor heart. They came over here, and Dr. Zuti grabbed me and pulled me over there and said, let's see what we're going to do to this heart. And so I'm watching them have a heart on the table, and they start clipping on it. I said, what in the world are you guys doing? He said, we're taking off the fat just taking off the fat of the heart. And so they took off something to make it better so that they could take that and put it in the person so that they could put on everything that was unattached and put it back in him and get him back working. And when those paddles hit that heart, it just went and started beating. Amazing. Simply amazing. It's amazing how many of us Know the right things to do in our lives, but we do not do them. The things I want to do, I don't do. There's a passage in Romans 7 about that that I think I've heard. It seems that we're all trapped in this vicious cycle in many ways. And the Spirit within us is there to transform us from the inside, that heart, from the inside out. I wish, I wish rules changed people. I do. I do. I wish rules changed people. I wish stipulations went to the core of an individual and transformed them. They don't. They don't, do they? Rules don't change us. When you see a sign that says, in any other sign like this, but if you see a sign that says, do not park here, what's going through your heart right then? Well, why are they getting to park here and I'm not getting to park here? I want to park here. I don't care what the sign says. I want to park here. Now, you may obey You mean I'm the only one that feels like that? You may want to, you may obey the sign, but you don't like it. And there are so many other things like that in our lives, right? And in the New Testament, in the New Testament, the the miraculous does not change people either. It doesn't. You would have thought that with the thousand miracles that Jesus performed, that hearts would have changed, everybody's hearts would have changed, but they didn't. Let me give you an example. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Well, how many of these lepers were changed by the miraculous? How many were changed? One out of ten. One out of ten. This is why, brothers and sisters, the the work of the Spirit is so crucial in our lives. It's constantly doing surgery on us and in us. It's transforming us, not by rules, not by the miraculous. It's transforming us because we have a relationship with the Spirit that is living with inside of us. Or at least we ought to. We ought to have a relationship with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ. This Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Most of us know our faults. Most of us know our shortcomings. We know our weaknesses and we know our strengths. Now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people who know their faults and they have no intentions of changing. They live with with their faults as a badge of courage They leave a trail of broken relationships and hurt feelings wherever they go. And we know these people. We know these people. They have no desire to change. While, on the other hand, most of us, I would hope all of us, we want to change. We want to look like God. We want to look like Christ. And we need Him for that maturity in our lives, for transformation, for wholeness, and for healing. And if we're willing, if we're willing to go through the pain, if we're willing to go through the pain of working on ourselves, our personalities, our deficiencies, our sins, and do so, it will involve two things. It will will involve cutting off and putting on. So, let me look at the cutting off first. All right? Cutting off. Paul says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Put to death. Next verse. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Put off. Third verse. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit. We put to death, we cut off, we put off, we die to that which holds us captive. This is a surgery required of us by the Spirit, to take off what is not needed. And He does that cutting, and that cutting is difficult sometimes for our souls. It is. And it's a battle within us. I don't know about it's you, but it's a battle within me. It's a battle. Here's what Paul says, but I say walk by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Get this? They're opposed to each other. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. All of us know this tension. All of us feel this tension within inside of us. The flesh that we have, the spirit that we have, and they are opposed to each other. To all of us who are willing to go through this discomfort in this heart assessment, we know this will not be easy. All of us know this will not be easy. God is still working on us to make us what He wants us to be. I think that's the song, right? I got the words for us. We can sing it. Ready? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Am I just singing a solo here? Because I don't hear you. Do you know this song? You don't know? You didn't grow up in the Church of Christ. (laughs) All right, here we go. For you that don't know it, for you that do, sing out. Here we go. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. It's got a great message. Even though you can go down here and hear it in miscarriage, as you come into that door, you will hear this song. They will be singing it. It's a great verse that teaches much about what God is doing in our lives. Okay, so that's the putting off. Let's put on. What does the Spirit want to put back on us? All right? He says this, put on the new self, cre- created at the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Here's another one, put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the immer- after the image of its creator. All right, all right. So time out here. This is where all of us struggle, okay? This is where every single one of us struggle. We have a very good, we're very good. All of us are very good at putting off. We're very good at cutting out those bad habits, cutting out those things that are corrupt in our lives, those evil places in our life. We are very good at cutting off. And all of us have done that. But let me ask you something. How long does it last? When you actually do that in your life, how long does it last? Not long, does it? Not long. Whenever we cut something off, we have to replace it with that which we put on. And what do we put on? Well, here's what Paul says. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the breastplate of faith and love and on the helmet the hope of salvation. So why do we put on the full armor of God? Why do we put on faith, hope, and love? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because, brothers and sisters, if we leave, if we leave our hearts with just, just empty cavern in our lives, and there's not Jesus in there, and we try to do this without him, there's going to be an empty space in there, and Satan's going to come back even stronger than before. And he's going to take over. That's what, that's what Jesus says. This is his verse. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person... I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to cut it out. It passes through waterless places seeking rest. And finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds the house swept, put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits, more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. See, because when you get rid of Satan, Satan doubles down on us. When we get rid of those habits, when we get rid of the sins, when we get rid of the immorality, Satan comes after us hard. He comes after us hard. And how many of us know exactly what I'm talking about because all of us have probably been there at some time in another in our lives? We have. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that Spirit of Jesus, Offers power to us in our weaknesses. The Spirit guards that which Jesus deposited in us. Listen to this verse. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Brothers and sisters, let me say this. Church family, we cannot be afraid of the Holy Spirit. For too long, for too long we have ignored its power and its presence. And in doing so, we have missed that which is essential for our growth and fortitude as believers in Christ. The Spirit is the power we need to face, to face the heartache and the illness and the adversity and the sorrow. And the sadness. I can't help but think about Kent, and Paula, McKinsey. Because the Spirit is that which is needed for comfort, for guidance, for conviction. The Spirit is needed for learning, for understanding in transformation. We need the Spirit's power. We need the Spirit's power. Let me ask you a question as we close. What would it look like if we were a church who sought the Holy Spirit's work in our lives? What if we learned to recognize the Spirit's promptings what if we allow the Spirit to speak to us through His word, through others, through the circumstances of life? What if we shared with others the Spirit's working in our lives? What if we listened to the Spirit, the one who lives in us, and we actively engage in this process of trying to hear Him through silence, through solitude, through rest. I believe it would change us forever. I believe it would change us forever. I end with this verse that Tate read. Now the Lord is a Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. No, you're right, James. You're right. Our transformation does not come easily. We're busy. We have priorities. We have goals. We have ambitions. We have families and we have jobs. Our faith often comes last. Often comes last. But know this, know this, wherever you are, wherever you are, God is still working on you to make you what He wants you to. To be, And I pray that you're ready for that transformation. I pray that you're willing to accept His nudgings. Here's my homework for you this week. Homework. Here it is. Write down each time you are aware of the Spirit's nudging in your life. Stick it in your phone. Make a little list. And just say, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. And listen and become aware of the Spirit's in your life. I'll leave you with this, as I did last week. Dwell in Him as He dwells in you. Let's stand and sing.